Yo, 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 it's X, and welcome to What's Out Media Group. I have to be better at this. Please, if you like our content, please like, share, and subscribe. And today on the show, we have an amazing guest, a special guest, Heshi Tischler. How are you doing today, Heshi? Xavier or X, which, which way should I go? You know, I Either am, way. I am a, I'm, a, I'm a grandfather. I'm a foster father of 21 kids. Uh, grandfather of, of two, father of three, 110 different nieces, and I've changed my name. You know, I also want to be part of you guys, cool guys, you know, the new yeah. generation. So my new name is Big H. And for the last few years, I've been training people to call me Big H. Not H, not X, Big H. I'm Big, big. H. I'm big. <laughs> but uh, Xavier, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I'm Heshi Tischler, and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Heshi, let's talk about your story, your upbringing. So, you're from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised, correct? Born and raised. I'm, a, I'm a, not only a, a, a Brooklynite and a New Yorker, I'm an American. And, and, I, and I bring that to you for a very serious uh, 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 issue to tell you. My father, and you want to start, was a Holocaust survivor. And I don't know if a lot of you guys know about it. Because you're young, and uh, I am the first generation after these people who came back and survived World War II. Their families were wiped out. My father lost seven brothers and sisters. Um, he uh, he found two of them. One couldn't have children. She was operated on, and um, they had numbers on their hands. My father even fought as a soldier in the war on a horse, and he wow. survived the war, and he would never marry. And at the end, he found my, my beautiful mother, Holy Mother, and they were together for 20 years till he passed away. And, and he came to America. He loved this country. Uh, he told me one day, you know, we could have the power to be president. He was so proud that I was first generation American. And um, he passed away and I had a good life. He did everything for us. And, and he taught me what love was about. He taught me to hug me, to love my children, to hug my nephews and nieces, to, to kiss my aunt, to give a hand, kiss my grandmother's hand on when we saw her. These were the people that taught us not just to be um, etiquette, but also to be respectful, to be honorable, and yes, to fight when you had to. He passed away when I was 13 years old in one month. Now, Xavier, I don't know what you know about the Jewish people, but when you are 13 years old, you are considered a man. Not just a man, you are responsible for not only yourself, your religion, and a lot of the older people stop talking to their kids. And my father didn't do the silence game of family, but a lot of people do silence. You're a man, you're on your own. And at 13, you can't be that way. I was left alone. I buried my father. Um, and I had a half brother who took all of our money and left us poor. And I was put in charge of the family. I always bring up the story. And I'm sure a lot of your, your friends know the Bible of, of Jacob and Aesop. You know what I mean? So I was Jacob and my older brother was Aesop. It took away everything from us. And I sold my home at 14. I invested our money back in the 70s. And I helped my mother to rebuild her life with my two younger brothers and sister. And um, through those years, I learned what it is for a young man to be on the streets, uh, to have holes in his shoes. <clears throat> um, sometimes for dinner, I know you're gonna laugh at me, our favorite dinner was we got a slice of cheese, ketchup, two pieces of one day old bread. When 
we got fresh bread, it was like a score. You know, my mother and me, we used to laugh when we got a fresh bread and we sat together. <coughs> um, excuse me, people, people call me in and bother me all the time, sorry. You're fine, you're fine. And uh, mom was a good woman. <coughs> she put up with uh, two young, I married them off. I took care of a lot of young friends of mine who had issues of drugs and stayed by our house. I took responsibility. And when I married my brothers off, I was going to travel the world. And I did a lot of community service, helped kids in jail. I started my own business at 21, finished college. <coughs> Excuse me again, I, I don't know. Uh, you excite me, Xavier, all your friends, you know, you make me crazy. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, my, my beautiful woman, Linda, found 32 years ago. And I say she tricked me into marriage, but really I got a better part of the deal. But, uh, and we continued and I told her, I said to Linda, my wife, I have done community service and I wanted to travel the world, but if I'm gonna stay, we have to continue serving our community. I believe my father wanted that. I believe as a religious Jew, I, I lost faith in God a few times, but he's always shown me the way back. Now, I'm not telling anybody to believe in God, the Bible and so on. I actually lost faith, like many young men. Uh, uh, and I saw a lot of my friends, some committed suicide, some did drugs, some went through some terrible times. And I always worked and fought and helped others. And when my son was born, my first son, he was born at home and I delivered him. And I saw the miracle of God. I saw that God says, hey, I'm in charge of this world. I took, but I gave you back. And of course, my son is named after my father. And that is pretty much my life over the last uh, 40 years when I look back that did not only the devotion of, of your fellow man, because I've seen people with abilities, Xavier, that are powerful. Guys who could uh, uh, build uh, uh, websites, machineries, uh, carry stuff, build buildings. I was, part, I was a builder for many years, developers. <clears throat> I saw guys do stuff that I couldn't even think of, the science of plumbing, the way they make things work when I had issues. And of course, I'm a problem solver. So I was pretty good at taking all these guys with their special talents and put it together. And I learned this very special quote. And here's something for all your listeners. You, it's not the ability you have. It's the responsibility that you have. Being, uh, having the ability to do things and not being responsible for getting it done it's not acceptable. Opening up a business and not being responsible to pay your workers or making sure that the business is going or showing up every day, even though the workers don't come or thinking that it's just going to come easy. It's not as a work like that. I'm a volunteer in the hospital for over 30 years. Do you think I don't want to take a day off or not go in or get depressed or see a bad day of people dying? I do. But you must wake up the next day, 4.30. You must be there at 6 o'clock because if I give up my responsibility and so many others do, things stop. And, and I've learned that, and I, I have 21 foster kids, and a lot of people say, well, you only heard Jewish boys and girls. Well, let me tell you something. I had a Muslim girl live by me for four and a half years till she married someone. I don't like her husband, by the way. Uh, but uh, she's a lawyer to this day. She calls me Sainty. Um, I also, give me one minute. One minute. Sorry, Xavier. My door, always, my door is always open for everybody to come in. We have, you know, I have a regular business and I have community um, uh, constituent services for people just to come in. And I'm not an elected official. People have issues. Yeah. But uh, 
so again, uh, I don't even know what I was saying because I talk so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, you were talking about uh, you. You had a uh, right. So I had I had her. I had a, I had a guy, Coyle Johnson. Uh, 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 I found him when he was seventeen in the projects, and he laughed at me. And he said, uh, I need a job and I'm going to sell drugs. I said, well, I, I could give you a job. And uh, he told me, he showed me where he was living. It was terrible. And we took him into our house and, and I made him a super in a building, and gave him a job. I helped him get married. His children today call me grandpa, uncle H, you know what I mean? And it's, I'm, I don't believe in, in not only racial or religious lines. I can go into a mosque with my yarmulke because they love me. I go into churches, whether they're uh, uh, of any racial or any ethnic kind. I'm not scared. No one thing to your friends, and especially when you watch my videos. I don't care if you're a policeman. I don't care if you're an inspector. Honest, honorability. If you, in your heart, you truly believe you're right, yeah, I'll go to jail. I have no choice. I don't want to. A lot of people are scared of it. But, and my wife is not happy about it, but being, knowing one thing that at the end of the day, I know I will see the holy maker. And he's given me so many gifts. My children, my 21 foster kids, you're talking, they're just all delicious. Besides my three kids, besides my 110 physiques, it took me a lifetime to build this family. You people, you know, when I was arrested, when the mayor sent the people in the middle of the night with 21, you know, like worse than El Chapo. They sent seven cop cars, four detectives, two warrant officers for the for the old fat man, you know? And um, I, I saw the people coming out and I understood that I was given the gift. And so they took me away. Of course, it bothered me that I had to go to jail. Of course, it bothered my wife, but I had to do it. I had to, 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 to stand up because if you don't fight back, if you don't stand up, they'll take everything from you. And as you can see, they've done that. Uh, from Texas to California to New York. Yes, I believe when I cut my locks and they came to arrest me and, and I had uh, uh, folks from the African-American community, from the Muslim community, from the Asian community, the Jewish community. And then of course, people don't like my actions. I scream and holler too loud, but that's what I've always done. And, and my foster children, after the police let me come home, they came, they didn't want me to come to the police station because they thought there'd be a big uh, protest and people protest. screaming. And they all came to my house to cheer me up. The two cops came to my house, the, the, the deputy inspector and one of the chiefs, and they said, we'll bring your stuff to you. They never do that. They came into my house and I showed them around my little apartment. And I said, look at my apartment. I, I built three families, one for my mother who passed away. I went out and I have three people from jail by me. I have kids coming and going. And I have a special apartment for my sister who's down syndrome, so still lives with me. I said, look at my walls. Do you see any paintings? Do you see anything fancy? I said, you see one painting I bought by mistake as a kid. But look at, at every wall, every inch of my walls are covered with pictures. I said, these are my, this is my goal. This is my money. My children, the foster children, their grandchildren. I'm so proud when I sit in my house at night after a hard day of 18 hours, 11 o'clock at night, I look at the walls. I'm like, I feel relaxed. This is what I've accomplished. Now, not always have I been successful, but Xavier doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Young men like you, you know, people tell me I'm scared to get married. I'm going to get divorced. Okay. Okay. I got it. There's been single parents, many times. people who are divorced and they get remarried twice. My mother was a single mother with three little children when she was in her fifties and she did it. She lived till her nineties and we repaid her. Not always will you get repaid. That is not why you are here, Xavier. 
And um, so through the years, I've, I've, I've helped people in jail. And, I, and I'm usually behind the scenes, Xavier. Somebody in jail, they call me in the middle of the night, I get the kid out, I call the policeman, I call my lawyer, I go visit the jails every two weeks. When you come home, I find you a job. I'm not on a big scale. We have a small soup kitchen. We feed about 100 people a day. We feed people for the Sabbath, about 140 families. Little things. And that's what I always believed in. On my way home from the hospital, I have four or five people I must visit every week. And I tell people, go buy a bread, go knock on your neighbor's door, do one little thing and you'll see how it builds up. And when the pandemic hit and I saw for three months, they just tortured the community and they picked on my community. I knew something was wrong. It's not only they were after the Jews, but they were coming after everybody, but they were going at it in a different crazy manner. And, every, and they were splitting us all up. So everybody did not understand why they were being picked on. Maybe they were the bad ones and everybody was good. But I realized they were going after everybody. So I got up. I fought back. I threw them out of my community. When they snuck in here and did press conferences, I wouldn't let them. Yes, I have people who have prejudice, who think bad about others. I can't stop. I can't control everything. But I tried. And we kept, I went to 140 weddings, kept my wedding halls open, um, had people getting married, had events, fought the police, kept, kept people out of jail. Um, and, and, and had my parks open, had my synagogues and schools open. It was tough, a lot of pressure. And it got to my family. Don't think for a moment my wife wasn't affected by it. The children, the people who work with me. Again, if that is your goal of only having it for yourself. So again, I'm behind the scenes. I've only come forward the last four years because I see that if you don't scream back, they just keep squashing and crushing you. Yeah, Xavier, you get drowned. You get drowned, yeah. yeah. A guy like me, yeah, you won't get me. I can beat you one-on-one. -on -one. But what about the rest of the people? And if you don't care about them, you will get crushed. So I do fight for others. And I know sometimes they fight for me. And I'm proud of, I'm proud of all the young people. And I'm proud of your generation. And I want you just to remember my quote again. It's not your ability. It's your responsibility. You can do so much more. I have so many talented people around me. My business, I take people out of, uh, I have a homeless girl who was working, living in a homeless shelter, and now she's one of my lead uh, uh, drafters. I have expert people who work in Ikea, people who work in grocery stores. They are office managers. My assistants, it's taken years. You give people a shot. My 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 boy Coyle is is now a, a big time contractor by himself. He makes fun of me. He makes more money than me. I'm so proud of him, the dumbbell. He doesn't give me any. Um, <laughs> But so proud of him. And these are the things that you, you, you have to be proud of, of, of helping others. And they can do it and help the next generation. You can do good. I know you're worried about your climate change and you're worried about other green and stupid stuff like that. Right now, you should be worried about your fellow man. The world will take care of itself. Of course, always be good to the, to the government, to the climate. But you don't have to go out of the way. And these are the things that don't affect me. What affects me is humankind. There's more than enough place on this planet don't worry, there's 8 billion people. We can have 50 billion people. I don't know what they're worried about. And we can build more, as you saw, in Saudi Arabia, they built illegal right. islands. And, right. and, and people are buying those houses. And, and again, they didn't worry about the, uh, the climate there and, and the environment there. So basically, I fight back. I think we've won. Uh, is my time over? Is my 15 minutes of fame gone? I don't know. I'm working on it. I, I like the radio show. I like walking down the street. I go to events still. I speak. I speak to the young, but I've always done that. 
always spoke at my youth center. We have a youth center, by the way. I've always spoke to the young kids. My door is open, Xavier. If you're ever stuck in Brooklyn, you need a meal or a place to crash, come on over. I got five bedrooms, but I made them into offices and TV rooms now because everybody's gone. So you have to sleep on a couch or a cot. Okay. okay with that. <laughs> Clean sheet, nice blanket and warm room. And you can have a nice bagel and cream cheese, like, you know, like I had before on my lip, you know. Thank <laughs> you. It's not bad. <laughs> Heshi, uh, so let's you're so universal, and I think you are the actual like embodiment of like the American dream because like it doesn't matter, like you said, it doesn't matter about race or religion and whatnot. Oh, I gotta I gotta flex for one thing. So I actually was a uh, gym teacher at a synagogue, and uh the kids they wanted me to do a prayer. So let me let me see if I did all right. Can I can I test it out with you? Please, please. All right, all right. Uh, and then I forgot the rest of it. But did I do all right right there? Is it okay? Very good. Min <laughs> from the land. You'll you make a blessing on your bread that you're going to eat. Beautiful. I, I, I go to churches. Um, um, uh, we have prayers. I, again, people think that there's different gods. There, maybe you serve God in a different way. There's one creator, whether you, you vision him as a Jew or Christian, Baptist, Muslim, Buddhist, I don't know how many religions there are. I know there's one. I know that he, he, he built us all. He made us all. So, so he is our father. So however you have to serve him is great. You know, and I go to other uh, uh, prayer houses or house of worship. That's why when I fought, I didn't only fight for the synagogues. I fought for the mosques. I fought for the church. I have, a, I have a, a good, uh, I have my own pastor even, uh, Kevin McCall. He's uh, just a wonderful man. And he's been arrested a bunch of times too, by the way. But these are the people you do when you make a prayer meeting. You stand there. You believe in the prayer. You believe that God is watching over all of you. And if you do that, you're successful. And it's tough, you know, every week I, I got to go out and deliver food, deliver money, and, and I'm tired. Let them come to me. I'm the tough guy. No. If you're going to do it that way and be too egotistical, it won't work. It works by you um, going out of your way, as long as you have the energy and the power to do it. And Xavier, you're a young man, you're a handsome man. You can go out and do it and, and always be kind. Uh, always consider your fellow man. Consider the person you're going on a date with um, beforehand. Don't just think, oh, I'm going out to have a good time. Good, good. You want to waste your day, you know? Time is too precious for me to waste. I know. My father passed when I was 13. I now am the first generation American. My children are the second generation American. My grandchildren are the third. Um, my brothers who, who married before me have grandchildren, have great-grandchildren already because their children are married. So I have four generations of Tischlers here. My father would have been so proud. I, I know some of you guys don't understand, but being an American, I understood from the, from the immigrants what it was to get here, how hard it was to get here, what they went through to get here. You know, did you ever see the movie Inglorious Bastards? Yes, I did, yes. So it's, you think it's a fake story, it's not. It's a true story except for the ending. My cousin Getzel Schwartz, you don't mind I tell a story to your audience. No, yeah, tell him. So Getzel Schwartz had 10 brothers and sisters in Europe, and they all got killed at the beginning when they started this. They all got killed. And his father and him, his father grabbed him and ran to America, got to America. And this man was a monster. You should have seen his shoulders and arms. At 70 years old, he was still doing 100 push-ups for me in his underwear. This man was 
months. I remember sitting at, at all our little cousins were sitting around him when we were six, seven years old. He was telling us stories. He told us when he got here, he couldn't speak English and the war was on. So they put him, he joined the army. And what do you do with a, a Jewish guy who can't speak English? They didn't really care about him. So they made him a paratrooper to jump behind enemy lines, suicide mission, big deal, he dies. The man and his boys kept jumping mission after mission after mission. And they kept telling me how they used to sneak into the Nazi camps and the soldiers and cut their necks and kill them it's time after time again. And he told us these stories. We were like, our eyes were wide open as little kids sitting around him. And we knew the story was, when I saw that in Glorious Bastards movie, I knew it was true because I, I saw one of the heroes. He had a bunch of medals like this. At the end of the war, he found a sister that was still alive, they said. And he went to find her and they killed her like four days before. He freaked out. He took his gun. He started shooting Germans on the street. They captured him. And what do you do with a hero? You can't just kill a hero or whatever. So they honorably discharged him from the army. Told him, go on your way. You know more. It was the end of the war anyways. He left and he got his pension and he came home and he, and he had nowhere to go. So he went to Israel for a visit the new Jewish land that was coming up. And when he was there in 1948, war broke up with the Arabs. He joined the Israeli army and he became a hero of the Israeli army. And he used to travel back and forth. And I just love this man. The man was just, he lived till he's in his 90s. He was beautiful. He got married. He had daughters. And he was, he was a little lost at the end because he didn't know where he was, but he was part of both countries and he loved us both. And again, he lost all his family except for his father who passed away. And when he had his family, he rebuilt. So I don't understand the pain. I understand rebuilding family. My father, again, I didn't understand his pain as much. I understood what it was to rebuild. I saw the way he gave love and I continue to give love. And I, every day I give up. Yes, Xavier, I lose it too. I want to give up sometimes too. We're human. I'm not Superman. I'm the guy who knows how to take the best of everybody and put them together and make my team work and get and help people all day long in my businesses and, and fight the city. You're right. I would love to be elected. I tried being elected a few times, but it seems like people think I'm too crazy. Um, they don't like my TikTok and uh, WhatsApp and YouTube videos. You know what? Come see me at a speaking event. Come see me when we when we feed the 140 families. Come see me when we're when we're in the hospital every morning from six to nine, and I give out blankets and soup and water. That's it. I'm just a servant, and I do. I want to serve my community, my fellow man. I'm not looking to be king. I was looking to get into politics because I figured instead of fighting from the outside like I've always done and asking for favors and giving them back, fight from the inside. Take my stick and beat them because you can't do it from the outside. And um, I think pretty much you got most of my stuff. Ask me another question because I'm never going to shut up, boy. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. I got more questions. So, um, I mean, nowadays, if uh, going against, like, the narrative, um, they don't, they can't, like, they can, like, kind of cancel you in certain aspects, but most importantly, they try to cancel your character. So calling you. Oh, you know, he's loud, he's crazy, he's obnoxious, but they don't see the actual, you know, stuff that you actually do. I feel like that's for a lot of other, you know, people who kind of just speak the truth. So is, is you're willing to pay the price for speaking the truth. And I, I think more people should. And what type of advice would you give to people who know the truth, want to speak out about, you know, the truths of just, you know, just in general? What are your so, thoughts on that? So I, I've, I've had a lifetime to learn this lesson. You have to be prepared. 
Um, they came after me. You know, I, I've seen a lot of terrible, sad issues. I, I had a, about uh, two months ago, a young girl that was badly beaten by her spouse. In the middle of the night, I was called. We took her away and we hit her. The police came to me. The um, husband came and, and I learned a way how to keep, I've learned how to keep secrets. I know a lot of secrets. So you have to know what honesty is. You have to know when to speak up and you have to know when to keep your mouth shut. And even during the bad times to control yourself because if you're going to spill your guts every time is a problem when to cooperate. So I'm prepared. You know, they did try to shut me up. They came after my taxes uh, to try to get me arrested because I didn't pay my taxes and I've never missed a tax return. I've prepared myself, learning how to do taxes, going to the accountant. Not everybody could afford it. Reviewing it, re-reviewing it. They found on me when they just redid my taxes. They came to me. They tried to, uh, they tried to get me because they got another politician on taxes of a few thousand dollars in jail. He made a mistake or he didn't. I know that they were coming after me. So my prepared, they found $600 in errors over the last seven years. I laughed, there was no errors, but I gave in. Um, I'm prepared to go to jail. I went to jail about eight years ago when some people did some stuff in the community and I wouldn't cooperate with the police. It wasn't my business to cooperate with the federal government. They knew what was going on. They wanted me to turn them in. I said, they did bad things to my community. I'm trying to fix it. They hurt me as well. And you're including me in and the judge says, well, you're a conspirator to the crime. I said, what, you need my cooperation? And the guy himself said, I told Hashi to cooperate. I don't cooperate when I don't have to. You have to be prepared for the worst. You have to be prepared to get some legal advice or to research. So I've always have a lawyer around me. I always do research before I do something, before I fight the parks, and even if I know I'm going to lose, even if I know they're coming to get me, I want to know the consequences. And I knew I'd have to go a year in jail or nine months. I knew I'd have to go overnight in jail a few times here and there. I was prepared. Um, and again, my family also was prepared, but they're not always prepared. Sometimes they take everything away from you. The last time, I, I, uh, about eight, nine years ago, they actually took everything. I came back, I fought harder, and my community knows that Heshi knows how not to be a rat. I know it's a bad word I'm saying, but I know how to go into a situation and fix it. I know how to go into a bad situation and try to solve it. I'm not the wolf of Pulp Fiction, but I'm the guy who knows how to at least put the team together, tell everybody to control themselves, even though you think I'm a hothead, and try to fix it. I just try to get you to the finish line. It might cost you. Somebody might go to jail. We might not have to deal. Uh, somebody might have gotten hurt. We're gonna. It's gonna cost money. We have to raise money. But it. I know how to get you to the finish line, and that is my always thing to look at the light at the end of the tunnel. It's always dark, my friend. It's always dark. Every morning you wake up, it's dark. I don't know when you wake up. But when I wake up, it's dark, and and then during the day it becomes light. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's a beautiful life. Don't give up. You know, I had 102 suicides in our hospital last year. I, I don't know what to tell you, how sad I am. And don't tell me it was only Jewish boys. It was a right across the board, men, women, young mothers, people that we didn't help, people that we ignored. One kid lit himself on fire a year and a half ago in front of our youth centers. Maybe we ignored him too much. Maybe we didn't pay attention so many issues that we just don't think we have the time for, everything we have the time for. So 
what I tell people is be prepared. I'm prepared. I, you're right. I'm an older dude. I'm 58 years old. Hey, man, I was part of the computer scene in the 80s. I've kept myself hip. I don't know how to maybe do such great websites. I know how to edit my own videos, by the way. Um, you have to understand, I don't know how to spell so well. So we have spell check. <laughs> you know, we have people to help us and guide us. Use the talents that are out there. Um, fix for yourself. You don't always have to call your landlord to fix the toilet bowl or, or clean up. Help shovel. Sometimes if it, it's helpful to do things yourself. Make your life better. And that's what I did. I was a tenant and I learned how to fix my apartments. I learned how to buy a house and fix stuff up. I learned what it is to be a landlord. I learned what it is, you know, to eat two pieces of bread and cheese. Me and Linda, when we got married, we slept on the floor on a mattress. And I told my wife, I said, Linda, I'm broke, baby. You get now we're sleeping on the floor. And she said, I don't care. I love you. Me and Linda have a deal. We fight a lot, me and my wife. She calls me names. We fight about money, the children, the house, the cleaning, even the dishes. I don't know why I have to do dishes. I hate dishes. So, um, but every morning I wake her up before I leave and she says two words to me. You're handsome. Now she might be lying. But it doesn't make a difference. She makes me feel good. I say, I love you and I leave. And then we fight throughout the day and the evening, whatever. That doesn't make a difference. But every morning we start a fresh day together and every night I come home, except when I'm in jail. But, uh, uh, but my point to you is, is try to do a little thing. Even if you're going to do something wrong, do a little research, figure out what the consequences are. Talk to somebody. Now you're right. Sometimes you talk to people and they repeat it. You can get in more trouble. There are guys out there like me that listen. Of course, if I hear you're going to take a gun shooting people, I'm not going to let you. I'm going to try to stop you myself. Well, yeah, I will. I will say something like that. But there are other things that, that you might have done or you're going to do, and we're going to just listen, talk. Life is so beautiful every day. Xavier, you're a young man. Your friends are so nice. You, you, America was built. And, and I'm going to go back now. I, I know you don't want to hear the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. That was for you older idiots. The Bill of Rights and the Constitution wasn't built for America to create America, was to teach you that this is a melting pot. We keep forgetting that word melting pot. It's not the Bill of Rights, it's not the Constitution. We created a land where you could, you have these rights that you're allowed to be able to mix with others, marry other religions, marry with outside your family or who your parents choose from. This is a melting pot that we're, remember, we are one people. Go back 100 years ago, and yes, we should be ashamed of what happened there, but go back 500 years ago. We now know that everybody's blood is the same. Everybody's children are the same. We all come out the same way. We all created the same way. Whether you're gay or you're straight, no matter what you are, you are who you want to be. And I love this great country. Sometimes we lose focus. We forget that we're the leaders of the world and not because we're the leaders of the world, because this great idea by the forefathers of the creation of this great country said, look, spread the word to the rest of the world. If they don't want it, no problem. It's our shores from sea to shining sea. But again, we can spread the word and other nations can join us and we'll help you. But sometimes they don't want to join. Sometimes they want to act crazy. And within our borders here, with this great country, and like you asked me in the beginning, not only was I born in Brooklyn, New York, I'm born in the greatest country in the world. And that is my gift, being an American. Wow. You don't even know how I appreciate it every day. I wear this flag, sometimes upside down. I don't know why. But 
It is the greatest country in the world. I love baseball. I love apple pie, as you can see. This is not a Coke, Diet Coke fix. <laughs> and I love hot dogs and hamburgers, okay? Uh, so I'm the man. I, I, I'm the man because in my house, my wife loves me to be the man, and my, my wife is the woman. She has two extra letters, so she's more powerful than me at home. By the way, she has all the money, so I can never leave. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I, got one, I got a few more questions. Um, why do you think that a lot of people are not in my generation? Well, I hope not in my generation, but after watching some content, I have seen like people my age. They don't know what the Holocaust is. And like one of my favorite movies is, you know, Schindler's List. Like I love that movie. Like I don't understand how people don't understand or is that that's actually like um, that's pretty worrisome that people don't know about the Holocaust. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and we have Holocaust museums and we have natural art museums. And it, it, the point is, is a lot of the Jewish survivors can only spread the word so much. Again, we had a lot of hate in the 50s and the 60s. My father marched in the civil rights. Why would we even have to have a civil rights movement? It should be equal from all men from the day that uh, Abraham Lincoln created emancipation uh, and whatever, you know. Proclamation, yeah, yeah, yeah. It should go back to the, the beginning of the country when we started in 1776, that all men are free. That was really the idea. It should be going back 500 years ago, when, or, or, or 3,000 years ago, when, when we had nations like Greece and Rome, where, where they created uh, uh, people that were free. You know, not everybody had to serve the king. There was senates and 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 and, 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 uh, and governments that were able to control their people. Why haven't we used our brains through the thousands of years? Why have we killed each other? You're going back to the Holocaust, come a little future. We had so many other countries, you know, uh, that killed each other, that, that we have new war criminals. We're not learning. I don't know why we can't get it through our heads that it, it's, it's, you cannot hurt another person. It's just wrong. And I wish we would teach more. And you shouldn't even look at Schindler's List, which is a great, great movie. It teaches you the hate that they had, the murder, but it teaches you what, what evil people in themselves are able to spread fear. One guy can spread so much fear to kill millions. Go back and there's so many movies like, uh, there's a movie called, uh, I think, Stalag uh, 15 or something like that, where they had a bunch of guys in a, in a, in a concentration, in, a, in a, a prison of war camp, and how they tricked the Germans. So many good war movies. My greatest movie of all time, by the way, is the great escape. Okay, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it. Uh. It's like the way they used their brilliance, the way he was able to solve problems and the way he went after, the way he explained that these Nazis that even though it's our responsibility, even though they treat us well, we have to fight back. We have to teach, we have to show them lessons. So the lesson is not only of what they did to the Jewish people. The lesson is, is that they did it to everybody, by the way. We, 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 we talk about the Jews, but they went across the board. They went after sick children. They went after, uh, you know, we had the 1936 Olympics and they embarrassed Americans because they were of a different race. And some were Jewish in there as well. They couldn't even run. It just, aren't you embarrassed that you have something that the whole world says we're going to share and then you can exclude somebody? And it, even when that's my... My, 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 one of my pet programs is special needs children. A lot of people walk by and they see these kids in a wheelchair on a special thing or these parents that are sitting in the park because they're stuck. 
those are special children. They're here and we cannot forget about them because if you do, some of them can do great things. We can't ever forget them. And that is our Holocaust today, that, we, that you young kids, not only you're not learning about the past, but you're allowing the past to continue into the future. Your job is to, like I told you, take care of your fellow man. Always keep your eyes open. Do a little community service. Your children do a little community service and you pass it on. And if you make a mistake, Xavier, or X, by the way, the guy in The Great Escape, the guy who ran the show, his name was Big X. <laughs> or X. So I love X. When you told me X, I love you already. <laughs> by the way, just for that, you get me to cook you special chicken cutlets. I'm a great chicken cutlet French fry man. Trust me. Okay, okay. I, my mother, you're going to the water in your mouth. None of your friends are going to get, only you. I'm good with that. I'm good with that, Ash. I'm good with that. Big H. <laughs> um, so you you being a builder, I think like a lot of like people who have like, I don't know, have built things. I feel like they see a bigger picture that not so many other people see. I think a lot of times people are like very narrow sighted and that might be the reason why they allow, you know, from the the like the things in the past to continue in the future is they don't necessarily like, you know, they're not even like cognizant that it's like happening. I think they just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's happening. Oh, yeah, there's a mandate there. Oh, that doesn't mean anything. Or this, this doesn't mean anything that much. It's it's not a big deal. Don't look at it as a big deal. I think as a builder, you probably see a bigger picture and see like, yo, this could lead to something else. This could lead to this. This could lead to that. You're right. Uh, sometimes I see, like when I was a, a contractor and developer, I saw a small piece of land when somebody said, oh, you could put up a house. And I listened to their ideas. My team around me, we sit around and we, and we talk about ideas and I and they're all brilliant. And then I don't, I don't laugh at their ideas. I say, how can I work with their ideas and make it better? So I, I do envision their finish line. I do envision their finished product. And then I say, how can I improve? Not take credit for it, but lead them. And like I said, I told you, a good leader has responsibility to lead, but make sure that lead them. And can I do a better project out of it? And if not, use their ideas. L listen, keep your ears open. Uh, I've taken sometimes small little houses and I've focused and that's what I'm going to do and looked and looked and looked. And sometimes you're happy with it. When I, when I, built my house it was just for me and my wife and then i said linda we could use the space the zoning is different mom has a problem can i bring you in I'll, I'll split my apartment with her and my sister and linda said yes and then we figured out a way how to improve and make it better you're right when i first started this the 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 the, the, the uh, mandates and the shutdown of new york city Kids were locked up at home, special needs kids. I was one of the guys running around because I was feeding people, had my radio show news. So I was never locked up. I went to stores. I had everything I wanted. And then I, I saw what they were doing to the kids on the block. So I took my driveway and I made it into a little itty bitty park all the kids on the block, just to get out of their homes and sit on a bench and run up and down, you know, because not everybody has a driveway by us. And then I saw kids running in the street and I said, my son tells me, why isn't the park open? I said, well, the park has to be run. I can't run a park and the cleaning and stuff. And the city, and I called the senator and the state senator and the, and the assemblyman, the councilman, they all laughed at me. And my son said, Pop, you're not scared. Do it, open it. I said, I can't do that. And then one day I said, you're right. I got a bolt cutters. Cut the lock, 
They closed it. I cut it again. They called the police. I researched the law. I said, you can put me in jail, but I didn't do anything wrong. It's my park. It's a state park. It's not a city park. And back and forth. And we're not going to clean it, they told me. I said, okay, we'll clean it ourselves. And the kids came. And the protest started. And then I was called to another park, and another park, and another borough. And I was in a community uh, of, of a lot of, uh, not Jewish, but Black and Jewish families. And I was scared, really. At that particular time, I, read, I was doing too many parks. And they were, they were looking to get me. Yeah. Opened this park in Crown Heights. And five police cars showed up. I was dead meat. There was nothing I could do. No protection. I knew I was gone. And when they surrounded me, a little boy comes over to me. Not a Jewish boy smacks my hand, says, thank you, Heshi, for opening the park. Just like that, the cops stood frozen as the kids started walking in. They turned around, got in their cars. Two of them handed me their cards. I invited them over for a Shabbos meal with their wives. And when they came over to the house, they were impressed. It was like God touched me. And just don't be scared. You know, the other day, an inspector walked into a store just torturing people. And I told them the law. I just want to see. I said, you don't have to see. If my door is open and I'm not dressed, it does not allow you to come in and do anything to me. We are free to do what we please. Don't encumber yourself or uh, pounce on my freedom. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence. It's the whole idea of America, the melting pot. And a little idea, start. You have nothing to lose. And if it grows bigger, good. And if it doesn't, I'm happy with the small win. I'm happy with getting that one kid out. I'm happy with those 21 kids over 35 years, 32 years of bringing them into my home. I'm happy. I'd love to do more. I'd love to do bigger. I'd love to be dealt with bigger budgets than I'm doing now. But you know what? If you're not going to start with the small, then you won't see the big. So don't be scared to see this more. Don't be scared to be blinded. You never know what happens. And if you can't do bigger, be responsible for what you have. And that's how I do things. I've always done it that way. Uh, I remember going to yeshiva when I, when I was in high school. A lot of kids, even though I never father, little kids were even poorer than me. Didn't have money for their laundry. And I had to go around on, this, on certain holidays and we collect for the poor. And I remember when I giving them $5 and $10, they were so happy. I like, it's nothing, you know, but sometimes you make a change in somebody's life. Like my mother, she was so happy to get not a day old bed, but a fresh bread. And we used to lock ourselves in the car, driving around doing business. And like, we were so happy eating that fresh piece of same day bread. I know Xavier, you don't understand that, but it's like, I still taste it in my mouth because it was the best time of me and my mother. That's when we really had our time. We want we were business associates. We were mother and son. But most of the time, we were always struggling through life. But something's that hour of just eating that bread together and getting that pomegranate. It's called the pomegranate, or you call it, we call it a Chinese apple, yeah. for 20 cents. And I remember my mother taking out that quarter. And I knew it was hard for her. But it was back then in the 70s. But I was I, I, I relished it. I still taste that the sweetness, even though I bought many of them. Sometimes things are sweeter when you have love. Remember that. Thank you, thank you, Hesh. Hesh, uh, what would you like to say? You know, you've said, you've given a lot of gems already, but what gems do you want to give to the future generation? What do you want to give to future leaders, to people who say, I might be a leader, I'm not sure though. What type of advice would you give to them? And anything else you got planned in the future? 
my advice to you is never forget the past. Just like you said about like Shindas listen to Holocaust. Never forget about your elders and your generation. Never forget the good deeds that people have done. I know that you forget, Xavier, so many people you've met or interviewed or been part of. You might have forgotten so many of the good things that people have done. And they were very little, sometimes so minor, big deal, you know, uh, something so little of a, a thing that, that he did for you. And, and you remember what they've done for you. I'm going to tell you one more thing. And this is my parting story to all of you. My brother was passed away recently about two and a half months ago. He was about 30 years older than me, 20 something years older than me. He was the first son of my mother. She was his proud. I told you he was the ace up at the end. He was her pride and joy. She loved him with every orifice of her body. You, when he walked in the house, she kissed him. And I was 20-something years younger than him because I was from another marriage. When my father passed away, my mother and father had some money. And Jay did not feel that he would have begotten from our new family. And he sat down with my mother. I remember I was 13 years old. He said, look, these boys are little, 13, 12, 11. You have a Down syndrome daughter. Give me everything. I will run your businesses. I will take it over. Let me handle your bank accounts. And when the kids get 18 and 20, I'll put them through college. I'll help you. And we'll put them in and you'll give me a piece of the action. And my mother trusted him blindly. And over the next three to four years, he took it all. He stole it all. He took everything away from us. Our money, our cash, our buildings. He couldn't take our house. And we had a building that was getting in trouble. And like I told you, I took care of it. And I rebuilt our family. And when my mother passed away, she was still tight with a dollar because she was scared of going back to those days. And um, uh, she was proud of me because I took charge. And I, yeah, you're right, I gave up my childhood. So give up your freedom, give up your thing. It's enjoy life because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. So I'm gonna tell you what happened. When my father died, he died in Israel, buying a home and ready to move us away. He was getting old, he was 60 and like me, but he wanted to retire, he did good. On his way home to pick us all up, he died in there, Israel. I had to fly to Israel to bury him. I was 13, the only man, the only, like you said, the bracha, the blessing. So only a 13 year old's blessing really starts to work for the dead. I had to get to Israel. And Jay came over that night and with the whole family. And Jay said, you can't go. You don't have a passport. You're 13 years old. Your brother's 11. You're a kid. What do you think? What do you think, what do you think you're going to do? And I was fighting with Jay. I said, Jay, you got to get me to Israel. And Jay got on the phone, screaming and hollering. He grabbed my hand with my brother, shoved us with our car, drove to the airport. He parked in front. Didn't even care if they were going to tow his car. He fought with this Israeli woman. And she says, even if I get them on the plane, it's going to cost you five grand. Now, five grand in 1977 was like a third of your payroll for the year. Really, that's how much money it was. He says, even if I get them there, they're not going to let him in through the border. He has no passport. They don't know where he is. My brother said, doesn't make a difference. He took out his credit card. He paid five grand. He got me on the plane. He took out my hat. He says, you play the game when you get there, Ashley. Just cry and do whatever you got to do. I'll see what I can do on this end. They put me on the plane. I arrive at the border, and they... Uh, and they uh, didn't want to let me in. They take me to a little room in the Israeli uh, airport, and like a terrorist, they said they're going to send us back. Ten minutes later, in walks a colonel, grabs my hand, tells them he's my cousin, grabs us out of the room, puts me in a truck, and gets me to my father's funeral just in time before they put him in the ground. It was something that gave me closure, something for a kid that will never forget that. 
when my brother died, somebody said, Heshi, you've got to forgive your brother what he did to you. I said, never. What he did to me was terrible. I didn't speak to him in 40 something years. I don't care. They said, you got to go to his funeral and help bury him. What did he ever do for you? And I remembered this little thing he did for me. This closure he gave me, even though he made me have a life of suffering and took everything. I made it to his funeral. I made sure to carry his casket. I made sure to bury him. And I was one of the, me and my younger brother said the prayer because he only had two daughters. So they couldn't say the prayer for the dead. Me and my brother said it. And we repaid him for what he did for me. So guys, the little things, you never know what little thing could repay you in the future. Don't be, you don't need the big picture. You don't need to be the president. You can be, study, learn, go through college. I was gonna run away many times and give up. And each time I came back for something stupid or a mother or a brother, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree, whether I used it or not. I started a stupid small business and it became bigger by luck. I never even thought. I married a young girl that we thought we're gonna sleep on the floor forever. And we have an actual real bed. She has a nice bed today. I can't touch that bed. I'm not even allowed to make the sheets on it. She has those special stupid cotton Egyptian retarded sheets. And the blanket cover and 97 pillows. Did you ever see so many pillows in your life? I wanna kill myself till I get to bed. I gotta dig for those pillows. But my mouth is shut. You know why? Because you repay her for the goodness that she did for me. Xavier, to you and your friends, I want you guys not only to lead, but before you lead, learn to live and learn to love. Little things, those little things, you will do so much. Never forget us. But again, don't keep us stuck in the past. I have a lot of people who are stuck in the past. Get out of the past. There is a future, build it, lead us, but never forget us. You're the best to all you and your listeners. God bless you. God bless New York City and Dallas now. And God bless the greatest country in the whole world, the United States of America. Thank you, God, for letting me be here. Thank you, God, for letting me meet you, Xavier. Don't forget my chicken cutlets. If you send me your dress, I might pass, but won't be as good if I want to. I want to come into chicken cutlets. I, I was actually going to say that before we ended. I need to. I need the chicken cutlets. You need it coming out hot of the greasy, <laughs> thick, filthy oil with those French fries, <laughs> peppered by me, and with my little ketchup on the side. And I have to watch you like a little girl blow on it. <laughs> you know, I want to make fun of you. Come on, be a man. Swallow it hot like me. Esh, Esh, I got a. Uh, I got a catchphrase I say all the time. Uh, my teammates have taken it home. Actually, my whole rowing team back in college, that's their new motto. It's God bless the work. G-B-T-W. God bless the you work, sir. Don't forget, just, don't forget just enough has yet. 9 p.m. Wednesday nights. YouTube, Wednesday nights. Instagram and all that crap. Whatever. Yes, sir. Big H, thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate you.